Hello, everybody, and welcome to Data Endure's first Tech Talk of 2021. And if you're anything like us, we are welcoming the new year, uh, coming off of a, a crazy 2020. So um, we're going to talk today really about coming off of 2020, coming off of all of the different things that we've learned. Um, what do we take into 2021? And like always, I'm joined by Shaheen Peruz, uh, Data Endure's Chief Information Security Officer and Chief Technology Officer. Hello, Shaheen, and welcome to 2021. Thank you. Hello. And I, I can't tell you how excited I am to be here in 2021. It's uh, It was quite a year in 2020. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we spent a lot of time in the second half of last year talking about uh, the implications of um, what all of us organizations, what all we had to do, uh, moving our workforces, moving our workloads, really dealing with the implications of different um, orders to shelter in place, uh, different ways that we were protecting employees. We spent a lot of time talking about how Data Endure has structured our managed services to really deal with the, um, the implications there. And I think what we'd like to do this year or this month is maybe do just like a really quick synopsis of that. But then let's really talk about as we go into 2021, um, you see a lot of research talking about tools, about what kind of tools you need to invest in. And I think we'd like to challenge that thought. And maybe instead of talking about tools, talk about telemetry and explain why that's really going to be important in 2021. So Shaheen, why don't you give us a quick synopsis of uh of the four fecta that we've been talking about and why it's important. Let's go from there. Perfect. Um, the The world really um, shifted for all of us in 2020. And what I mean by that is we had built our, putting aside the fact that there was a pandemic that took over the globe, um, that was a factor in the change that I'm talking about. That change was that we went from building IT infrastructures to support roughly 20% of our workload to 25% of our workload working remote. There were some leading edge companies that were almost all remote or 100% remote, but those were really the minority. But what happened was now all of a sudden, everybody had to figure out with shelter in place going across the country, how to, and not just the country, the world, how to take that uh, capacity plan that we'd put together and expand it quickly to support 100% of our users going remote. The other factor that um, it really created was we all of a sudden went from managing our corporate network and VPN into our corporate network for a select few to now we were managing as many networks as we had employees. And the, the issue there is we don't control the employee's network. We don't, uh, we don't have control over their routers, their firewalls, their Wi-Fi, their, their kids' networks and what they're doing, you know, in, in terms of what apps they're connecting to and so on and so forth. So uh, it, it makes it difficult as a leader of IT to be able to apply a security policy across every network that we have to manage. And so those factors all came together combined with the fact that ransomware increased by about 600% in February of 2020. Because the bad guys just decided everybody's at home and they realized these same things we're talking about and said, let's take advantage of the lesser security in a home network versus a corporate network. And the outcome of all that was what we believe is our answer, um, which is a distributed defense in depth. 
excuse me, got a got a little dust ball stuck in my throat. Um, <clears throat> so what we um, what we've been doing over the past um, four tech talks is really talking about the components of what we affectionately call our fourfecta. Um, and the fourfecta prior to 2020 was called the trifecta because there was only three things in it. And uh, the increase in ransomware um, uh, guided our technology decisions to add the fourth layer of security. And the fourfecta starts out with our advanced phishing protection as the first layer of defense, um, basically removing the users from being our security tool and putting advanced AI in place and blocking the phishing attempts, blocking the impersonation attempts, blocking the brand hijacking, all those things that at the front end can be stopped before they ever get to your users. Um, we're not saying <clears throat> don't do security awareness training. We're not saying don't have antivirus and anti-spam anti, uh, in your emails, but we're saying there's another layer of security that has to happen before those. Um, so our advanced phishing protection launched last year to address that fourth layer or we call it our first layer of security. It's the primary en uh, entry into most companies um, from a vector of uh, risk, if you will. The second layer of defense, which historically was the first layer of defense for the trifecta is um, is our DNS defense. It's We call it D3, it's our distributed DNS defense. And D3 is really designed to um, be able to give you what traditional content filtering solutions did um, only for corporate networks at the endpoint, so that no matter where your users are, whether they're working from home, they're in a Starbucks, they're at a customer site, as we get back to all that, um, they have the same layers of protection from going to known bad malware sites and getting downloading things that are uh, known bad or risky places, um, as well as the, uh, in addition to that content filtering, we actually block um, connections, both IP and URL connections to known bad IP addresses for malicious sites, meaning blocking command and control connections from ransomware, for example. So that that became our second layer of defense in our Forfecta, um, so that if something did get past the uh, security awareness training, the advanced AI that's doing the phishing blocking, the anti-spyware and antivirus at the email layer, um, or whatever vector it came in from, if it got past the security, DNS would protect and block it from connecting. Um, that's not enough. Um, so our third layer of defense is our endpoint detection response as a service, our EDR as a service offering. And the intent with that solution is to stop whatever attack there that's happening at the endpoint at the endpoint and don't let it spread from there. Um, the way that uh, the malicious actors, bad actors take advantage of systems is they compromise one system in your environment, and it only takes one click, one download, one system to to impact the company's environment, and it spreads from there. So if uh, if you only protect, you know, your email, or if you only protect your DNS, then you're you're really not protecting other vectors that something might come in from. So our third layer of defense is that endpoint itself. Let's stop uh, the the uh, attack there and not let it spread from there. There is no security control that can stay 100% ahead of the bad actors. They're smart. They're, they're technologists. They're software developers. They're, they're creating technology to try to bypass all these security controls that we keep coming up with in the security space. So 
while we, um, you know, the market spent something like um, 350 million on average per company uh, on security controls, where uh, where that amount of money goes to putting a lot of controls in place, not every one of those controls is effective. Not all of them stay effective over time because of configuration drip, and not all of them um, will always protect new zero-day uh, attacks, if you will. So our final layer of defense, um, which was uh, the very first tech talk we did, was is our SOC as a service. And um, our SOC as a service is really designed to collect telemetry from all of the solutions I talked about, but also all of your other security controls and IT controls, and uh, be able to correlate that data and, and present it in uh, a heuristical model as well as a forensics model so that we can quickly identify and take the time away from the hackers. Um, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. We have to, to the, the time advantages on the bad actor side, and we in IT and security are struggling to gain time back and to block and tackle every attack that's coming. What, what our Forfecta is designed for is to take the time away from the bad actors and put it back on our customer side. Well, and I think given all of the tools that folks are using, the number of alerts are in the millions or, or, or billions. billions. Yeah. And how, you know, to, to find the needle in the haystack, if you will, and to be able to uh, filter down from those millions and billions, what are the five, 10, hundred that need to be actioned? Um, time is imperative there because doing the hunting on your own or, or even using the tools that you've got or the people that you've got, um, back to your point, is not your core business and is not why why you are there to do it. So having that uh, that SOC to be able to collect, correlate, aggregate, report, and let you know, it's critical no matter what tools you're running. Right. And, you know, there's uh, we, we have a lot of machine learning and artificial intelligence built into the platforms that we use. Um, to do what we do, but those are only aids. They're not. They're not the answer. Um, they they only go so far. We still have to have you know twenty four by seven seasoned security staff looking at the screens and when alerts pop up. Um, the AI is great for highlighting something that should be looked at. It's not great at saying this is a false positive or this is real or um, this threat could potentially spread. You know, it's not good at saying what level of escalation or risk or threat a particular alert is. Um, in some cases, it does better than others, but it's not consistent in its efficacy. So we have to have that human layer. And I've always said having a sim without a sock is like having a guard tower without a guard. It's, you know, the the hordes are going to be attacking your castle walls. And right now our castle walls are all the straw huts that surround the castle, not the castle itself. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and those hordes aren't going to be seen if there's nobody in the tower. Mm -hmm. So the, the whole point is really about um, to, to the point you're making, it's, it's all about telemetry. And the reason that's important is there's so many um, noises and the signal to noise ratio is pretty low. Um, so finding a signal in that noise is one of the critical factors that we try to solve by continuously fine-tuning the environment, by not just being, not just looking at the reactive attributes of telemetry, not just looking at logs, but also taking a look at real-time network traffic analysis, looking at vulnerabilities, looking, doing security control validations regularly every month, 
so that we can be proactive as well and close the holes before somebody takes advantage of them. Okay. So as we look at 2021 and understand that um, more than ever, the change is constant. And I think more than ever, uh, there are people trying to be prepared for anything, uh, just just seeing what, what can happen. Um, technology leaders and security leaders, you know, obviously they've got a finite budget, they've got a finite staff, um, yet they do have demands, whether it be regulatory, whether it be customers, um, uh, that, that they need to meet and they need to adhere to. And like you said, um, that bar is always moving with bad actors because they're going to find a hole. Or I, I was just reading a report this morning where uh, they're starting to see insider um, insider threats now kind of being offered as a service, right? So if they can find an insider to go in and attack, um, we had ransomware as a service. We now have inside, you know, the, the insiders as a service. So why why telemetry, right? Uh, there's so many tools, and how does telemetry really factor in? And for someone saying, well, you know, I'm doing all of these things and I'm watching all of these things, um, how can we really help people stay ahead of this as much as they can and really recapture time at any number of different levels to put their business in a position to not just survive, but thrive, whatever it is that the world throws at them? That's uh, that's a great question. So the I think the word telemetry is somewhat overused in the security space, and so people people shy away from it. Um, um, the easiest way to put um, a, a definition to telemetry is uh, effectively sources of data, and uh, I often liken it to a cell tower. Um, if we're watching cop shows, there's you know the bad guys got on a cell phone and they're tracking the bad guy. He's pinging off of one cell tower, and so they can only narrow him down to a city. Um, then he pings off a second cell tower, and so they can narrow it down to a few blocks. Then he pings off the third tower, and now they've triangulated his position down to five or ten feet. Um, so they know what building he's in. And it's very similar. Telemetry is the pinging off of cell towers of the security space. The more points of telemetry we have, the more accurate, accurately we can triangulate in on the malicious actor or the malicious activity and be able to find it in minutes versus the 200 some odd days that it typically gets found in in most enterprises. Ponyman said the current numbers, I think, are 201 days before malicious activity is identified within a network. So the being able to take a half a year of time away from a bad actor and take it down to minutes prevents that person, that individual or that group or that, that organization from being able to do real reconnaissance inside your environment and get a foothold in your environment and identify what data they want to take away. Mm -hmm. So telemetry is key to being able to triangulate on the bad actor. The problem is um, we've been trained by the SIM providers that uh, if you reduce the number of logs going into your SIM, you reduce the cost because they charge by a terabyte of data that goes into the SIM. The, the negative implication is that is that you're reducing the telemetry. Uh -huh. And by reducing the telemetry, you're reducing the lenses and the triangulation that I just talked about. Um, 
to that end, um, uh, there's there's a new term that Gartner has coined. Technically, uh, Palo Alto coined it, but Gartner uh, Gartner has grabbed onto it, and it's a new category. It's called XDR, and it really is focused on detection and response across your, um, uh, regardless of where it is, any detection and response, not just endpoint, not just network, not just um, the uh, the management of that, but getting visibility. And what that's all really about is telemetry. The um, as a matter of fact, uh, a, a quick uh, reveal here is we are launching this Forfecta that we launched was not a set of services that was by accident. It was uh, stepping stones to our XDR offering, which is launching in uh, early 2021. And um, we have come at this from the perspective that um, you can't take a single provider and expect them to do everything well. It's a it's a lot like a Swiss Army knife. Um, it's really cool when you're camping and you have a knife that has a spoon, a fork, a corkscrew, everything all in one, and a toothpick. Don't forget the toothpick. <laughs> and and so that's fantastic when you're camping because you can't carry all those things with you. But who among us uses our Swiss Army knife to open a bottle at home? Who among us uses our Swiss Army knife to cut a steak at home? Who among us uses the spoon in the thing to eat our soup? None of us. It's because they're not great tools. Mm -hmm. It's a great multifunction tool that's good for an extreme case like camping, but it is not any, no single component on that thing or not all of the components are great. The knife might be super sharp, but after about three or four bottles, the corkscrew breaks off and it's really hard to get the wine, the cork out. And so from, from a reality perspective, that's the way I look at the XDR space today. There's a lot of large players um, that have launched XDR solutions by acquiring an endpoint security tool, a network detection tool, um, uh, having the firewall capability and, and trying to plug all those in and create data lakes where they pull the data together. And now they are branding their solution an XDR offering. While they do have telemetry, no one of those components is the best in breed. Um, not all of them, rather. There may be one that is best in breed, but not all of them are best in breed. So you're getting mediocre solutions for your corkscrew and your toothpick, but the knife cuts really well. And uh, and where we've come at this from, uh, being a system integrator for 37 years gives us a lot of depth in terms of how to do shootouts and uh, technology evaluations and implementations of some of the best technologies and some of the largest companies in the world. And that allows us the um, the experience to pick the best technologies and integrate them together to, when we release our XDR offering, it will be made up of all best in breed components. Um, if, if it were a Swiss army knife, it wouldn't fit in your pocket because it would have, you know, a real nice uh, 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 chef knife in the, instead of that little tiny knife. It would have a automatic corkscrew. It would, you know, all of the things would be effectively the best in breed of what they do that are intended to do that specific job, mm-hmm. not not just an emergency response. <laughs> and uh, sure. and well, so, I think, I think the benefit there too is over time you're switching them out as you need, right, mm-hmm. or adding to them as you need, whereas that single vendor. Largely, that's happening when an acquisition happens or something like that. And then it's 6, 12, 18 months until you really see that materialize. And then that may or may not be 
even as strong as it was when that acquisition happened. And so there is a speed to market that this approach offers organizations. Um, there is a tighter integration, if you will, than if this was being um, shoehorned into an organization's overall um, market portfolio. Think about any organization that's trying to expand their capability. They're going to look at what are my acquisition targets to expand rather than build it myself. They go out and they attempt to acquire companies. They're not, they're most likely not going to get the top technology in that category because that company's probably already doing well. They're probably going to get a second tier or a third tier player. And the intent is we're going to take them and make them better and integrate it into our solution. And to your point, that uh, single um, vendor approach, you're now locked in to whatever they bought. You're not not just this year, but next year and the year after. And if you want to change out that technology, you're most likely going to want to be changing out the whole stack and not just that one component. The uh, Again, to your point, the value that we bring to the table is because we use um, different technologies for each of the components of our XDR capability, we have the ability when a new technology comes out that's better because we're delivering all these services as a service to replace the underlying technology and deliver the same or better services to our customers as the technology landscape changes at no cost implication to our customers. Mm -hmm. So you're not having to do evaluations as a customer every year about does this technology still do what we need it? Because we are taking that burden on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in a real practical way, if I'm an organization that has listened to this and says, oh, XDR sounds interesting, or you know, maybe they've read a couple of articles leading up to this, how does one differentiate what's real, what's really XDR, what is XDR in disguise, and is someone really providing the level of telemetry that they need for for what it is that they're purchasing? Like, what what is your guidance there to help someone figure this out? Good good question again. Um, so, what's happening right now? It's it's a lot like when cloud became when Gartner branded cloud, if you will. Everybody started calling their technology cloud regardless of what it was. It, it could have been on-premise, but it was still cloud. And uh, and so we had we had this glut of overuse of the word cloud. And with every new Gartner branding, the same thing happens. Everybody's marketing teams scramble to say, how do we attach to that? And uh, and the it, this is no different today. And XDR is, is not immune from this. There's a lot of players out there today that are strictly endpoint solutions that are calling their technologies XDR. And uh, the, the key thing to look at when you're evaluating technologies, first of all, you, you're not gonna find anybody who's creating an XDR solution with best in breed technologies like, like we're talking about other than us and Dexter, which is, uh, which is coming in the new year. But um, separate from that, if you're picking a technology provider, let's say that you you have a strong belief that a single vendor is still the right thing to do. What you want to look at is that they're not strictly focusing on one attribute of your environment, not just the endpoint, not just the network, um, not just the firewalls. Um, it needs to take into account 
DNS telemetry. It needs to take into account authentication telemetry. It needs to take into account the endpoint telemetry. It needs to take into account the network uh, traffic and flow data. And it needs to take into account um, what, what sites and information you're connecting to. So not just internal DNS, but external DNS as well. So all of those factors come together, and, and I missed email in that. So it also needs to be able to take telemetry from your email platform. So all of those factors come together to give you signals, and those signals have to be correlated. So if you're not using a system that correlates that data, you now have to look at six different consoles and figure out how to correlate. Okay, I saw a signal here, and I saw a signal there. Is that the same signal, or is that a different signal? And the the implication is you're you're going to create more noise from the signals than what the systems do on their own. And it becomes very difficult to correlate that data. That's the simplicity that we've brought forward is by integrating these um, uh, uh, different components together to bring all of that telemetry together. We've also done the integration and the correlation rules that basically weed out the noise and, and mm -hmm. reduce it down to actionable intelligence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in fact, we are helping uh, the tools work harder. So the tools that you're using, the telemetry that you need to get, um, you're really getting the most out of what that tool has to provide when you package it, package it. I use that loosely in, in the way that we do. Um, and back to your point of six different consoles and more noise, um, not only is that complicating things, but imagine the staff that you need if you're doing it right, imagine the staff that you need to actually filter through those and figure out what's important, what's not, and then how and where to go fix that. So in, in a world where we're trying to be smart about cost, in a world where security talent is hard to find and hard to afford, XDR in theory sounds wonderful, but in reality sounds like it could be very very expensive if you don't do it right um or you could spend a lot of money and and not get the results that you want because you can't fill in all those gaps well the reality is you're going to end up buying an xdr solution from a single vendor and then buying technologies to fill those gaps in addition to it um so it's not there is no true um, all-encompassing XDR solution from any one vendor out there. There's some that come pretty close, but not not an all-in-one. So I know one of the things that we offer organizations just to try to navigate their way through this um, is to help them figure out where they're starting from. So they know the tools they've got. They know what they are expecting them to do. So one of the things Data Endure will bring to the table very early on, and honestly, almost as a PSA, right? So let us help you understand uh, where are you at? What is it that you think is happening and what's really happening and where are those gaps? So that organizations can really understand um, where might I need to invest and depending on what I'm already investing, does it make sense to continue to go down this path or might something like a managed service, managed security service like we're offering really be both more economical and more effective. Can you talk a little bit about that health check and maybe um, give some folks an idea of what that might do for them as we round out this talk? Yeah, we have um, two, in the security space specifically, we have two health checks, which are, I think, critical 
Um, we have an email security health check and we have a network security health check that we deploy um, complimentary. So we do that for um, uh, our listeners here to give you a easy way to evaluate your environment. Um, and the outcome of that, it's a, it's a very simple process. It doesn't take a significant amount of effort. It's two to three hours max of your resources time to get it configured. And then it runs for 14 days. And at the end of that 14 days, we pull together reports and, uh, and give you, present to you back what we found in your network from vulnerabilities perspective, from security controls validation perspective, from an email security perspective. And we present that data back to you in such a way that whether you choose to move forward with us, you have some actionable intelligence um, that you can close gaps on. The, the complementary solution isn't all-encompassing. It's limited in scope, but it gives you actionable, actionable intelligence on the, on the scope that we do uh, focus on. Uh, the, uh, the value proposition for our customers who go through that is that they find things that have, through configuration drift, um, created holes in their environment that they thought were covered before. They're, they had controls that they thought were protecting a particular area or uh, point of entry. And the, they discover that you know at some point, somebody made a change to support an application or to support a noisy user or to support an executive. And that change created a hole that a bad actor could take advantage of. So those things are things that we usually, if you're on an annual basis doing penetration testing for regulatory reasons, you might get a report that tells you, you should get a report that tells you that you have a, a hole that needs to be closed or a compromise that needs to be addressed. We believe that once a year is not enough because we do IT every day and IT every day makes changes every day, uh-huh. um, or, or at least every week, let's say. Um, there's, you know, our worlds are not static, they change constantly. So our security controls validation that's part of our SOC offering is um, distinctly unique in the space. Nobody else is including a monthly pen test of your security controls included in the SOC offering at no incremental cost. We do that to, to your point, Kirsten, as a PSA to make sure that we're proactive in closing the holes that you might have in your environment. So the best defense is really good offense. So uh-huh. let's let's plug the holes before somebody can take advantage of them. And many of our competitive um, uh, competitors in the market are really focused on a reactive approach to SOC. If we see something, we'll investigate it, find it, and tell you about it. We go beyond that and we say, that's not enough. We need to be able to identify how they might come in and we do that by doing five simulated attacks in your environment every month. And uh, and we give you the results of those attacks. Well, as you said. That, oh, I was just going to say that is also included in that security health check we were just talking about. So that, that same simulated attack in a limited scope will be included in the security health check. So you can get a sense of will ransomware actually work in my environment? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and given given the rate of change uh, that we are seeing these days, certainly monthly versus annually seems to make a lot more sense and would probably help a lot of board members and leaders sleep better at night. Mm-hmm. 100%. Well, thank you, Shaheen. Um, you did mention a name, and I will be um, curious as we reveal over the next months, as we tell you about... Uh, Dexter, 
Uh, Dexter is a new addition to the Data Endure family. And uh, would you like to give a, a 20 second preview on who Dexter is? Sure. Dexter is, uh, is you know, we, we intend for Dexter to be the serial killer of the bad actors. So he's, he's going to root out, find, and, uh, and identify and stop the bad actors in their tracks before they cause problems in our customers' environment. Um, it is, uh, it is um, for fun, a play on Data Endure XDR. Um, so Dexter is an acronym, but, uh, but also a play on our favorite serial killer on TV. <laughs> all right. Well, Shane, thank you for your time today and uh, thank all of you for joining us. And as we've talked about, please reach out to us either via our website or email us LinkedIn uh, if you would be interested in that complimentary health check. Or if you'd just like to talk a little bit more about what you might have going on, you know, please feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to talk to you. And we look forward to your joining us in February. We are going to be joined by one of our fantastic customers who actually is using all four of the four FECTA. Uh, she's very excited to talk about it and we're very excited to have her join us. So be sure to tune back in on the last Thursday of February where we will be joined by the CEO of Assurix. So thank you, Shaheen, for joining us and everyone have a great rest of your day. Thanks everyone.